I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. It's no secret that people have some pretty strong opinions about politics and world affairs. It's a part of being an American, the right to have our beliefs and the right to voice them. But the cacophony of opinions and hot takes can drown out the voices that come from the middle. So what do people in the middle have to say? Well, there's a new show called The Middle that seeks to learn just that. The Middle will start airing live on September 28th. On, that's Thursday evenings from 8 to 9 p.m. Central Time here on WPLN. We'll rebroadcast the show's Fridays at noon. The host of the show is a longtime public media journalist, Jeremy Hobson. NPR listeners know him from Marketplace, Morning Report, and Here and Now. I'd like to welcome Jeremy Hobson to This is Nashville. Khalil, it's great to be here. Happy birthday to you, by the way. Ah, thank you. Thank you very much, my <laughs> friend. Really great to have you here with us. So, you know, how's it going, Jeremy? It's it's a little crazy. You know, we're launching this show next week. It's been a it's been a long time in the making. We did four pilots of the middle about a year ago. Um, and, you know, after that, went out, tried to raise money to make it a regular show. I hired a team of people um, that are going to help me get this show off the ground uh, next week. But nothing like this has ever been done in public media before in that we don't have an NPR or an American public media behind us. This is a, you know, independent production that is that is doing uh, what it's going to do with the help of stations like Nashville Public Radio, like Illinois Public Media, and that's how we're getting it off the ground. So I'm a little nervous. I don't want any technical problems. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that you know I'm 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 most nervous about right now. As you know, a call-in show, you never know what's going to happen. But um, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the stress levels will drop <laughs> next Friday. Okay, we have an example of a call-in right now to share. Let's listen. Ode to Khalil. Khalil, it has been a blessing being your mother for the last 50 years. Wow. You have given me so much joy and tears. Stay as wonderful as you are because you are my shining star. So have a happy 50th birthday today, my son, and may it be filled with laughter and fun. I love you, Khalil. Oh, I love you, Ia. Thank you so much, Mom. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, That was an unexpected surprise, but that's what (laughs) happens on our birthdays, and that's what live radio is all about. Um, Wow, that's a really special moment. Thank you so much, my my wonderful, wonderful mother. Okay, but Jeremy, let's let's talk about the middle. Um, Explain the premise to us. So the idea is... You know, in all of our media that's out there right now, whether it's television or radio or or newspapers or online, there is definitely a bias against uh, the middle. There is a there is a bias towards. Let's start with the geographic. There's a bias towards the coast. Most of the people that you hear in the national news on a daily basis who get to talk about what's going on are coming out of New York. Washington, Boston, California, they're not coming out of Kansas City and Louisville and Nashville and St. Louis and Texas and other places in this country that are very important um, in our politics. And I think that the idea at the beginning for the middle was let's bring the geographic middle into the national conversation. Let's make sure that this show is going to be able to be live across the central and mountain time zones. So that's what we did. That's why it's at 9 p.m. because we wanted to make sure it was after all things considered so that the stations wouldn't have to choose between running all things considered and running the middle. So we did that. Then 
as we did those pilot episodes a year ago, um, a lot of people heard the middle and they thought, oh, I thought you meant the political middle. I thought you meant the philosophical middle. I, I thought you meant the middle class. Mm. And we said, okay, maybe what the middle really is, is the middle is whatever it is to you. And so then we said, it's the geographic middle. It's the political middle. It's the philosophical middle. All important parts of, of our country and all needed voices in our media and all voices that are generally ignored by the media right now. Why do you feel that it's really important to highlight these voices that are generally ignored? I mean, if you turn on just cable news media, you have one extreme to the next. There is right. nothing that represents the middle. Why is that important to highlight those voices and opinions? Okay, so let's let's talk about the geographic middle first. I would say that last year, in 2022, the single most important event that occurred politically in the country was an abortion vote in the state of Kansas, where people in red Kansas voted in favor of abortion rights, shaking up the politics of that issue leading into the midterms, which ended up being a very important issue in, in terms of how, Demo how, how not bad Democrats did in that midterm election. Mm. Um, that one of the reasons for that is because people have such a view of a place like Kansas because nobody ever talks to or listens to anybody in the state of Kansas hmm. in the national media by and large. And you could say that about a number of other places. I would also say in the last many presidential elections, certainly this century, they always end up being decided by a handful of states, usually in the upper Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, back in the day, Iowa, places like that, Pennsylvania, now in the last one, Georgia and Arizona, what do all those states have in common? None of them are on the coasts. Mm -hmm. So that, that I think is, is important. But on the political side, we just had, you know, a month ago or so, there was the debt ceiling debate where, you know, it was like, is the Congress going to raise the debt ceiling so that the U.S. does not default on its debt? We've been here before, but this was a pretty tight one and people didn't know what was going to happen. Who ended up making sure that we didn't default on our debt? It wasn't the far right or the far left. They voted against that. It was the middle who got probably will never get any credit for that because there's avoiding catastrophe. Mm -hmm. But that that was the sort of win one for the middle. They got that through. So I think hearing from those people in our daily dialogue, even though they might not be the most exciting speakers, um, like as exciting as, you know, a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a, a Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it's still like they're the ones that are getting a lot of stuff done that we should be listening to. Now, I understand that the middle is a traveling show, right? To some degree, yes. Um, so we are going to go on the road once a month leading up to the 2024 election, hopefully after that as well. I, you know, in my time at Here and Now, I took the show on the road to probably 25 states or so. Um, and I always thought it was really, really valuable to get out around the country to go to places that aren't heard from very often to tell stories, not just political stories, but stories about the place. You know, we went to Pittsburgh with here and now and did a story about how they have something like 420 bridges in that city and, and, and what that, that said about infrastructure back in the day. And now um, we, I think it's just important to get out there. So we are going to be doing the, the, the only two shows on the road that are currently scheduled are the first one, which will be next week from Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, my hometown. And a month later, we're gonna do a live show from Nashville in partnership with Nashville Public Radio uh, at Vanderbilt University on October the 25th, I believe. That's gonna be a really awesome occasion. So listeners, be sure to keep your eyes and ears open for that. Now, describe the format of the show for us. So it is, um, you know, so, t so start off with the fact that it's a call-in show. So there's going to be calls coming in throughout the hour. 
Um, I'm going to be there hosting the show. I will have two panel guests every week with me, different people every week with me, helping me take these calls. And because it's in the evening, because it's live at 9 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to have, in the style of a late night talk show, a DJ sidekick. Um, We did this in the pilots. We have a different DJ this time who's able to do it sort of permanently with me. His name is Tolliver. He was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. He's a funk musician, just a really, really great guy. And I think the idea of having somebody like that who is not just a talking head, but almost not a journalist, there in the conversation you know, ready to jump in if need be, but also just is always listening. Um, and we'll play music into the breaks and keep the vibe good. But um, I think it's I think it's going to make it sound a, a lot different than a lot of other things on public radio. That is really, really, really cool. Now, briefly, I got to take a break in, in about 30 seconds. But, you know, briefly tell us, what are you hoping for in the conversations about these divisive topics that are happening here right now in our country? I just hope that, you know, we can take the definition of the middle to one other place, which is meet in the middle. I want to I want to allow people to have conversations about divisive issues in a civil, respectful way and and just hope that we can talk through some of the things that in recent years people just decide they don't want to talk about because they don't want to talk to people they disagree with or they just get in a shouting match, which that's not what I want. Yeah, what you're saying is music to my ears. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll learn about the life and professional journey of Jeremy Hobson, the host of The Middle, a new show debuting on WPLN on September 28th. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. And it's the final day of our fall fun drive. So now it's time for to help us reach our goal. You can do that by heading to WPLN.org. And thanks. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. My guest today is Jeremy Hobson, longtime public radio journalist. He's hosted Here and Now, as well as the Marketplace Morning Report. He's getting back in the host chair for a new show, The Middle, a live call-in show that will focus on the people who are in the middle, geographically, politically, or philosophically. Now, before the break, we learned a little bit about the show. Now let's learn more about its host, Jeremy Hobson. Thanks again for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Khalil. And so you're well known in the public media world. You know, I want to go back to your childhood. You mentioned before the break that you're from Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. Go Fighting Illini. I myself was a fan of the Flying Illini in 88. I thought they should have won the national championship. (laughs) But, you know, tell me this. How would you describe your childhood? You know, I am one of seven children. Um, Mm -hmm. I am the child of two classical pianists. Um, my father is British. My mother is a uh, French Egyptian Jew. Um, and um, I grew up in this, uh, you know, college town in the middle of Illinois. And when I was a kid, um, I became obsessed with radio at like age five, six, seven years old. Hmm. I was listening to the local oldies station. Um, back then, oldies counted as the hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is now. Yeah. Now it's probably the 90s. Man, um, I, I have but, issues with that, but we can <laughs> yeah, go right, on. Right. <laughs> so I was listening to this station um, all night long, and I would I would win pizzas at 10 o'clock at night by doing the call-in. Uh-huh. I would request songs. I, I just, I felt like I had friends on the other end of the radio. 
and so I fell in love with the medium. And then when I was in um, third or fourth grade, a woman came into my class and asked us to write radio plays for this show on the local public radio station, WILL. And I wrote one and it ended up being on the air. And I then got brought in to start hosting this show called Treehouse Radio for kids on public radio in Illinois. And throughout high school, then I sort of, I, I started doing radio documentaries with the local public radio station. There was also kind of a project with my school and I just fell in love with it. And I thought this medium that I love can be used to tell really important stories, to interview people. We did a, a piece back then about one of my, the first radio piece that I ever did was about um, Holocaust survivors that were living in central Illinois. And we went and interviewed them. It was like an oral history project. Mm. And so I, I really saw the power of the medium in that sense and kept on doing that throughout high school. And then, um, by the way, you know, I said my parents are classical pianists. We all, my siblings and I all had to take uh, an instrument in addition to the one, one, we had to take piano and we had to take one other instrument. I did the cello. Okay. And when I was about 13, 14 years old, I realized I was never going to be as good as them. And hmm. so it was time to move on. And luckily I had the passion for radio. So I just kept on going there and it never stopped. Okay. So you were writing radio plays at the third grade. It was Orson Welles an inspiration to you? <laughs> I, I definitely did not know who Orson Welles was when I was in third or fourth grade, but you know, I, what I did understand is people that can be really good broadcasters. I think I have a, I have a respect for people that can hold attention, that understand the importance of silence in radio. You know, I mean, say what you will about the, the late Rush Limbaugh. He was a great broadcaster. He definitely like knew how to bring the drama um, and a lot of people have have sort of followed in his footsteps just in terms of the broadcasting, not necessarily what he was saying. But the, I think, you know, Larry King, um, like mm. people there were there were local hosts that I would listen to that I was like, wow, this is like I feel like I'm hanging out at this person's house. Now, I will say one other thing. I loved listening to to the radio at night. And I think that this this show, the fact that it's on live from nine to 10 p.m. Eastern, I'm very excited about because I think that there's something really cool about hearing a radio show that's live in the evening. Tell me this, you have this preternatural ability and you're drawn to radio and broadcasting. Do all these projects in high school. When was, I, I came to understand that after you graduated high school, you began first working for NPR, is that right? Yeah, so I, um, I got an internship at All Things Considered in Washington because I had done, done these radio documentaries in high school. They had won Associated Press Awards. And so I, I had a connection that knew, that knew somebody who was a producer at All Things Considered and got my name in front of that person and then ended up getting an internship in Washington. And I was young. I graduated high school when I was 16. And so I wanted to take a year off so I could get kind of back into like normal, normal age for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I took a year off and went to DC, had an internship that was supposed to last for six months. And they ended up extending me through the year at all things considered, but it was, it was just amazing. I mean, I got to work with, you know, Robert Siegel and Linda Wertheimer and Noah Adams were the hosts at the time and just met Scott Simon and all the people in the NPR building and got to know them. And, um, and then when I was done with that year, I went and worked with a radio producer named Jay Allison, who started like the Moth Radio Hour and 
a lot of other, he, he was starting two public radio stations at the time. So I got in on the ground floor of that and just learned a ton from a lot of different people. Now, you said you love listening to radio at night. Were you a fan of Coast to Coast with George Norrie? Yeah, Coast to Coast AM, um, which does it still exist? I think it still does. Um, but but uh, yes, and also, you know, I'm thinking about like Loveline in my day um, mm -hmm. with like Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew and there was um, Delilah. You know, there were a lot of people, a uh, lot, lot of national shows that, that happen at night. In fact, when I was making the case for the middle, I, I, there are two things I would pull out as I was sort of talking about why it was needed. First of all, something like 80% of Americans listen to the radio every single week, the radio, not podcast, but the radio every single week. Secondly, Almost every show in radio that is among the top listened to shows in radio is a live call and talk show. But right now, before the middle, there is no other live national talk show on public radio that takes live calls that we will be the only one. Um, and so I think that to me is like, guys, this is, you know, people are, you may have decided that this is not useful anymore, but in fact, people want to be heard and they want to be able to be part of the conversation. And what's wrong with a little spontaneity um, and live, you know, taking live calls and sometimes it won't go great. And, but you know what? It's fun to listen to even when it doesn't. You know, that's something that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in the show, because that's something that This Is Nashville is going to be employing a little bit more live calls. Now, I want to get back to your career a little bit with NPR. You traveled overseas to report for NPR. You covered the Iraq War and a lot of the Middle East. Those are not very easy assignments. Tell me, how, how did that change your approach to radio journalism? Yeah, so I was in 2003, um, I was a uh, I was a student in college and I had I was I went to London for the semester and I ha I knew Guy Raz um, from NPR. And I said I was like, I want to do an internship with you as part of my study abroad. And he said, OK. And he was working at the NPR office in London is in the BBC. And I maybe two weeks before uh, I, I I sent him an email. I said, okay, how do I you know how do I get in and what time do you want me to be there and all that. And he said, look, I've been sent to Turkey to cover the buildup to the Iraq War. So why don't you book yourself a cheap flight to Ankara and <laughs> come here? Hmm. So I flew to Ankara and and was there for several weeks with him, traveling around Turkey as all of the people who then ended up leading Iraq were in the you know in this hotel in Ankara where all the media were and they were just making the case over and over again of why the U.S. should, um, uh, why the U.S. should invade. And it was, it was really fascinating to see that and to see, to see how important the global media was to these people who wanted to change the course of their country is that, the, that where do they want to be? They want to be right where the, the cameras are. Mm -hmm. um, so we so we're there now. The other thing that happened in that so then after the war started while I was in Turkey and Guy got sent into Iraq and he said, "Look, your parents would kill me if I brought you in, so I'm not going to do that." But before you go back to London, why don't you go to Istanbul and see some of the sites? So I went to Istanbul. I was the only person. I was literally the only tourist in the city wow. because everybody was worried about what was going to happen. But then I went back to to. Uh, NPR's London Bureau, and they had brought Silvio Pajoli and Deb Amos, two fantastic reporters, in. So I worked with them for the next uh, many months there. Um, you know, I think, as I said, I'm a child of immigrants. I think that global news is incredibly important, and I think nobody does a better job of it in this country than public radio. 
with the maybe exception of like the New York Times or something like that. But public radio does an amazing job. They've got correspondents all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I think I still keep that in my head as something that is really important to bring to American audiences because much of the media does not pay that much attention to global news. Now, you know, in your career, you came back and then soon you began working for Marketplace. But I understand mm -hmm. your first week was quite a memorable one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I started, uh, I, well, I had been at Marketplace as a reporter in the Washington Bureau, but I then was um, put into the New York Bureau uh, in September of 2008. And it was, I started there the week before the financial uh, markets collapsed. And when that happened, the two other reporters that are usually in that bureau were both on a, one of them was on maternity leave and one of them was on like a special project. And so basically mm -hmm. for many months, I was the reporter in the Wall Street uh, Bureau of Marketplace covering the news as it was happening in the morning show and in the evening show. And I, and I learned a ton about, about, you know, financial markets. I remember one night I got a call from my editor uh, and he said, okay, we need you to be on the morning show tomorrow morning. Uh, you're going to have to get in at five o'clock in the morning and we're, you're going to have to do a, a story because AIG is collapsing and we need you to, you know, explain what's going on. And I said, okay, that's no problem. I'll be there. You know, I will be ready. Just one quick question. What is AIG? <laughs> so, but look, I think, I think the nice thing is that one of the reasons that Marketplace is as successful as it is, is because people that work there are not uh, business experts. They are people that are explaining it to themselves and therefore explaining it to the audience. And that's why it is, I think, at, I don't, at least it was when I was there, the, the most listened to, most the, the highest audience of any business program on television or radio in the United States, because it truly is the business show for everybody. You know, in that, from what, from what I'm getting from what you're saying is there's a lot of adaptation. You have to adjust and adapt to the reality that's here at the moment. And that is quite a large part of what we do as hosts. Did you, how do you approach that? How do you approach a situation where you've got to pivot and change very quickly to meet the moment? Yeah, I, look, that is not easy to do. And, and by the way, like my personality type, I learned, you know, <laughs> later in life uh, is I, I am very focused on planning an organization. And when I have to throw a show out to change it into something else, it stresses me out. So, mm -hmm. so that's, it's not easy to do that. But I do think, you know, as a host of a radio show, you are thinking about your audience and what, and how can you be best of service to your audience in understanding the world around them in who should you be talking to? What kind of questions should you ask? The public radio audience is very tough on its hosts <laughs> yes. and they, they'll write you if you don't ask the right question or uh -huh. if you forget to ask something or if you mispronounce a word or something like that. So you have to be very careful. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, you have a responsibility as a host of a public radio show to just go that extra. Like you're, you're being trusted by a lot of people, by in some cases, millions of people. And, and you've got to make sure that you are doing everything you can to be, I, I always say these three things when I'm t teaching a, a journalism class for a day or something like that. I say, you've got to be correct. Number one, you, your facts have to be right. Two, you have to be fair. Um, and three, you have to be interesting because mm -hmm. you could put out the most correct, fair story in the world. If it's not interesting, they'll just change the channel. So you've got to make sure that it's interesting. Um, and that's, I think, 
you know, if you can get all three of those things, you've done a good job for the day. Now tell me this, if you weren't working in radio, what would you see yourself doing? Uh, that is a good question. I mean, um, when I was in high school, I was also in theater. I did a lot of theater and I, I, there was a moment I like when I was probably 15 or 16 years old, when I was like, okay, do I want to apply to go to college to study fine arts and go do theater? Or do I want to go on the journalism side? And I made the choice to go on the journalism side. And I think the reason was because I don't like auditioning for things. And I didn't <laughs> want my whole life to be having to like audition again and again and again and, and uh, get approval from people. And I like the sort of stability of the news side of things. But at the end of the day, what I'm doing now is a show. It is literally a show that I will be starting next week. And doing a theatrical production is also a show. So I get to at least, you know, perform mm. um, on a weekly basis. All right. Let's take another short break. When we come back, we'll learn more about the live call-in aspect of The Middle and how those conversations could bring a change of perspective for listeners. Do you have a question for Jeremy? Hit us up and tweet us at This Is Nashville. And our fall fund drive is nearly over. We can make that goal, but only with your help. Do yourself and the community a favor and give now at WPLN.org. We'll be right back. I'm Kaliole Colonna, and this is Nashville. My guest is Jeremy Hobson, the host of the new show, The Middle. It will debut on September 28th at 8 p.m. on WPLN. We'll be rebroadcasting the show on Fridays at noon. Now, the show is set up to discover what people in the middle of the country think about the issues we collectively face. But everyone is encouraged to listen and join in. Now, let's learn more about what the show hopes to do differently from other talk shows. Again, many thanks to Jeremy Hobson for joining, joining us today. Really appreciate it, man. It's great to be here. Okay, so, you know, you talked a little bit about what the show hopes to do differently, but, you know, give me some more details of how it's going to set itself apart from the typical NPR public radio style of talk show. Well, first of all, as I said, there is no other uh, NPR show right now that takes live calls, so that's going to be something different. And we have couple of call screeners um, that are going to be making sure that, you know, we're bringing in voices that bring us not just racial and gender diversity, but geographic diversity, ideological diversity, age diversity, and really trying to get a broad cross section of people. I, other, I also think that, you know, if the rest of the national public radio day, and I'm using that in all lowercase, not just NPR, but national public radio shows, um, if the rest of the day is 80-20 weighted towards the coasts, this is going to be probably 80-20, our calls would be 80-20 weighted towards the middle. The other piece is that among the panel guests, I really want to bring in people who don't get to talk everywhere else all the time. I don't mm. want to have the usual suspects. I, I, you know, much as I absolutely love the New York Times and the Washington Post, I said to my producers, I don't want to have those people on our panel because they've got plenty of other places to go. And there's a lot of other smart people in this country that should be able to weigh in on what's going on. I also don't just want to have journalists and politicians be part of our mix. They will be some, but like not, not the whole thing. I want to get to a point where we have maybe a musician gets to join the panel or a comedian gets to join the panel or a teacher gets to join the panel. And we can bring some different life experiences uh, into the mix of who gets to 
you know, talk about what's going on in this country. Now, as you guys all last year were working on some of those pilot shows, did you encounter a memorable moment taking a live call during that process? Many memorable moments, but one that sticks out to me um, came when we did a show from Kansas City. It was the third pilot that we did. And the topic of the show was, um, what is an area where you disagree with the political party that you affiliate with? Mm. And so you put everybody kind of in an uncomfortable position because they're going against their own team, basically. And um, we got a call and we had gotten a number of emails to this effect, but we got one call from a woman who said, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat, but I don't really feel comfortable with trans women going into the women's bathroom. Mm. And I said to her, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like you yourself are trans. So uh, my first question would be, why does that matter to you? And she went on and explained. Um, and then we went to the panel and one of our panel guests said, you know, this is exactly the kind of awkward conversation that we have to have. Oh, this woman had said, I feel like a bigot for asking this because mm -hmm. the, the people that treat her badly for asking. So our panel guest said, this is exactly the kind of awkward conversation that we need to have in this country because what's happening right now is when somebody who is, you know, maybe she doesn't know any trans people. And when she is put in that position, rather than be able to talk through what she's learning about this um, or her views on it, um, it gets shut down. And I think if, if you think about it, when has shutting down the conversation between people who disagree ever been the way to reach a resolution. Like mm -hmm. if you, if, you, if your kids, I don't have any kids, but if your kids are like arguing with each other, if you say to them, okay, I want you to go to your rooms and don't talk to each other ever again about this. That, that would never be said. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not the way to solve problems. Mm -mm. You know, that's something about doing live radio that I absolutely love the actuality of the moments, especially when you don't know what is going to happen or what is being said. That moment that you talked about, this woman, you know, it's, it's a conversation that is hard to have and it is uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I think that's really important right now. Just in my travels going about, you know, the city of Nashville and running into people who necessarily don't know what I do for a living. The thing they consistently say to me is, I wish we were able to have these conversations, but so much of our identity, so much of our emotions are wrapped up in them. It's difficult to have. It's difficult to, to talk about our differences and you all are attempting to make that bridge. Is that something that you yeah. really enjoy doing for with live radio? Yeah, I'm, yes, I mean, I, I, I think absolutely. I, I, and, and I'm glad you used the word attempting because I don't, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, I, I hope that it is. I think a pilot, our pilot showed that you know there's a hunger for this, and that we were getting 200 calls an hour in our pilot shows. Um, just over the course of four weeks of doing that show. So I think there are a lot of people that want to participate and do this. Um, but we'll see if if indeed we can have that civil conversation. The nice thing is, and you probably have this too, but we do have a uh, what's called a dump button. Oh, yes. So if somebody <laughs> swears, you know, you'd, you'd get, the delay goes in and it's uh, seven, the last seven seconds are just gone like they never happened on the radio. So um, there, there are fail safes. The other thing is, you know, we've, we do have two call screeners. So we've got people that are making sure that the people that are coming forward actually want to engage in civil discourse. Um, I'm not going to put people on the air that are just going to lie. That's not my interest. Yeah. You know, civil discourse, that is the key phrase to me because I'm thinking about how you're going to keep conversations from harming vulnerable populations, yet we can still have a fruitful conversation. It's a little bit of a tightrope balance right there. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and the other, the other piece is 
You know, the second show that we're going to do um, in in two weeks is um, how is how are higher interest rates and inflation affecting your personal economy? I mm. think that's not that's not an issue where it's going to be an argument between two people. That's going to be one where we as listeners from anywhere in the country get to actually hear how somebody in Iowa or somebody in Texas or somebody in Nevada is feeling this these things that are really affecting their their daily lives or not. And and that I think will give us a better sense of where we are as a country than going to a pundit in Washington to tell me, you know, well, the unemployment rate is this, but you know, personal wage income is this and whatever. And it's like, I think it's gonna be really interesting to hear from actual people about how these things are affecting them personally. You know, you talked about having DJ Tolliver, who's gonna be bringing yep. music and a little bit of a different vibe to the show. That idea in itself is kind of new and interesting. But how, how can music and more of a relaxed vibe kind of allow us to lower our defenses so we can have these authentic conversations you're hoping to have with the middle? I think they absolutely allow us to lower our defenses. I mean, I'll tell you one thing is that in my career, you know, I've, I've had to anchor special coverage for NPR several times. I did the all-day coverage of the Brett Kavanaugh, Christine Blasey Ford hearings. Mm. I did Michael Cohen's testimony. I did Robert Mueller's testimony. And every time I would do that in the hour before I would get to the studio in Washington, usually, um, I would take, I would put music in my headphones and I would take a walk around like the national mall just so that I could relax, um, and be, and go in relaxed and focused. Those were the two things I wanted to be when I would do that. I think music is a very important way to do that. It, it reminds you that there is, that there is more to life than these issues we're talking about. That, that, you know, we do, we enjoy our music, we enjoy our food, we enjoy people's company. There are a lot of great things that, you know, as, 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 as upset as we may get about this issue or that issue, I think bringing music into it does probably just take it down a notch a little bit and, and make, it, uh, make it a little more of a comfortable place to spend time. Mm -hmm. We find commonalities in the music that we listen to or the music we don't like. <laughs> Happens all the time. Now, you know, a part of the trick of being a live radio host is getting people to be confident, to be themselves on yep. air. What methods do you use to help people relax and enjoy the experience? Yeah, it, you know, I will say it's, I find it to be easier to do that in person than at a distance. Um, but, you know, I, in the, in my time at Here and Now, I think I did, like we calculated it once, I was doing like 2,000 interviews a year mm. with different people. A lot of them, you know, day of, I'm sitting in a studio and then they're sitting in a studio somewhere else, I can't see them. And um, I would just, if, if it got, if, if we were recording it, if it wasn't live and it got, you know, a couple minutes in and it, they sounded nervous or whatever, I would like stop and be like, okay, put your papers down, like just have a conversation with me. And I, the other piece is, I think a lot of a lot of people in a situation like that, and I had to get used to being the person answering the questions like I am right now instead of being the, just the one asking the questions. Yeah. But like a lot of people in that situation, they get, um, they they feel like they, what if I don't know the answer? What if I can't answer that question? And what I will tell, what I would tell reporters, public radio reporters, maybe junior public radio reporters that didn't do a lot of interviews with NPR, is I'd be like, look, if you don't know the answer to the question, 
we can, we, you can, you can pivot that easily away. You can say, you know, that's a good question, Jeremy, but honestly, I think the really interesting thing here is, yeah. <laughs> is this, and then we'll move on and nobody will be any the wiser. That's something I learned is, uh, when I got into the game, they said, it's okay to not know an answer yes. to a question. Yes. And another, another thing that I, I learned was what you said about making something very interesting. I, I, I learned you had to make the important interesting and the interesting important. Totally. And, and I think, you know, there's no better um, teaching uh, tool for that than covering business news for six years, because business news can be very boring, but it is very important. And to try to make it interesting is, is a challenge. And I think when you can do that, it's, it's really useful. Um, so th yeah, that I, <laughs> I will say that the other thing about, about, about my, I'm just thinking about my time at marketplace, when I would put together stories, because there's so many people listening to those stories. There are people that are listening that work on wall street. And there are people that are listening that don't know anything about business. Mm -hmm. And I would think to myself, my job is to make this interesting to the person who knows everything and make it interesting to the person who knows nothing. So at the very least, I wanna put one little nugget in this story for the person who knows everything, that they'll be like, oh wow, that's really interesting. But for the person who knows nothing, they can follow along with what we're saying. Yeah, now the middle is coming to Nashville in October on Wednesday the 25th yep. at Vanderbilt. WPLN is a part of that experience. Last question for you. What are you looking forward to do when you get to Music City? Well, you know, I love Nashville. I did a, a, a reporting trip in 2010 where I drove across the state of Tennessee for 10 days from the from Memphis all the way to the far east and then back. And I stopped in Nashville. I stopped in Chattanooga. I stopped in Knoxville. And I really discovered how different these different parts of Tennessee are. But I loved Nashville. So I can't wait to get back there. I mean, I'm definitely going to, I mean, maybe it's super touristy of me to say this, but I'll definitely go to some honky tonks because I do love Broadway. But um, also... Good. <laughs> but look, I, I, I'm actually, I, when we're get when we're done with this Khalil and when it's not your birthday, uh, I'll call you up because I want to hear who we should be talking to when we're there, who we should have on the show. Um, and it'll be really wonderful to, to be back in Nashville. Oh, definitely. I have your back. Just hit me up and I'll let you know. Jeremy Hobson is the host of the new show, The Middle, which will debut on September 28th at 8 p.m. here on WPLN. It'll be rebroadcasted on Fridays at noon. Jeremy, break a leg with the new show. And thank you for being on This Is Nashville today. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Lil, and happy birthday again. Thank you again, my friend. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Char Daston. It was directed by Magnolia McKay. Laura Boach is our tech... It, Mar, Mar, Laura Boach is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville, find us on Instagram, and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. We'll see you on Monday, everybody, and be good to each other.